Grand Rising, everybody. Guess we've been out for just about a week. <laughs> Lots happening in the background um, as we're moving forward. So that is why we have been away because we've been working on other stuff. And so wanted to get on here and talk about the Souls Code um, and what that means uh, in terms of well, in the terms of like James Hillman, which is somebody that I, you know, follow like his way of thinking and um, looking into deeper into kind of what the way he was thinking about how our soul operates or what it means to have a soul or even a purpose in life. And it leads into some very interesting conversations and can be right. It could just put you into just these different frames, um, frame, uh, mind frames, and obviously to just different subjects as well. You know what I mean? It's kind of like this web of like different ways of thinking. Um, because like, what is the soul, right? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) really, what is the soul? Really? Why are we, you know, these overly processing thinking machines, (laughs) we're not even machines, but you know, that we are as humans, it's like we overcomplicate stuff and, and we have to have meaning in, our, in everything and then why? Mm, so much complexity. Yeah, it is, right? It's so interesting and weird that we have such complexity. Um, it kind of trips me out. It's like, and, why can't this be simple, right? It's like simple is easy. Yeah, um, is this integrational system. And then you start deconstructing the layers. <laughs> you can just see it's so overwhelming how much yeah. everything is just integrated and overlaps and yeah. What it's like know. what are we doing is the question. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm like mm. it's it's yeah, we've overcomplicated life in a lot of ways, but it's yeah. part of who we are as these creatures, right? As humans, it's like we have to have meaning and purpose. It's like if we don't have meaning or purpose, then what's the point? Right. You just feel void inside. And people say, well, then there's nothing. But then it's like, then why are we living? You know what I mean? It's like, right. oh, this is frustrating. It just gets frustrating. are not living in purpose or alignment. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, is it living? Is it surviving? Is it thriving? Because right. I think that people, like if you look at people, individuals who actually um, – don't live with purpose or don't have a purpose, they tend to wither away into mm-hmm. almost nothingness, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And it's like, we have to make meaning. So people say, well, there is no meaning. Okay, that's fine. But in order for us to thrive in this vessel, we have to make meaning. Because if we don't, we have nothing to live for. It's like almost like there's no purpose, no point. And that's not how we operate. Like we have to have a point and purpose in order to continue to move forward in our lives. Like otherwise we're just living meaningless lives. And if we are living meaningless lives, notice that those that live meaningless lives, they're depressed mm-hmm. or, you know, they have nothing to live for. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And so, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but there's also a block with creativity too when you think about it there's um a lack of creative expression and what's creative energy right that's that higher soul you know authentic universal the universe creates right that's what it does it creates and destroys and it creates again so when you like you said there's that catatonic um kind of like zombie <laughs> numbed out from the world okay you know what i mean lacking purpose last lacking you know any kind of mission or whatnot um and having no creative outlet that can be a very low vibrational space to navigate a life from and that mm -hmm. comes back to are you thriving are you surviving are you know what i mean whatever um where's the soul where's the ego um right experience yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of why i like james hillman's work because in the souls code it's like so the greeks i believe it was the greeks and i always get this wrong i always say it wrong i always want to say like demon because it sounds like demon but it's not demon it's like diamond mm. um guardian angel like yeah there's lots of they have different names for it of course <laughs> but the golden compass if you guys have never watched that oh yes i was thinking exactly i've read the trilogy of all the three books um because uh -huh. they only made the first book uh -huh. into a movie uh-huh um, well they actually have a series they have yeah. a series called oh do they now oh yeah it's been out for a while yeah um, it's called his dark materials is what yeah it's yeah and oh okay. it is it is a series uh, because they only made it into a movie, and then I don't know why they didn't continue. Um, I've never read the books, but the movies themselves talk about they use the concept of the of the diamond. Or yeah, the the books you got to read the books. The books are really good because they they go into being able um, to travel. And, yeah. and through like worlds and um and it's been a very long time since i read it so i don't want to butcher it but that um but there becomes like this severance so you're almost like cutting it off and doing harm um or something so like and i think like the end of the first movie that golden compass movie like starts to touch on that in a way but like the books go even further um mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to re <laughs> to really look yeah, at. Yeah, there's wow. this. It's okay. the the series goes into all of it. it okay, the series it has it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that I know, you know, books and and movies obviously are very different. Right. Cut things out, but yeah, no, it it goes into the entirety of it. Um, and what they're trying to do, right? Like they're trying to steal this essence from these souls from the individuals, yeah. which right. is basically what's happening today <laughs> sounds very familiar right um and that's what they call them their familiars which is kind of funny anyway mm. um when you think about that it's the soul and the ego which are two very important things that help us operate in this world we need both the ego is not a bad thing um the ego is obviously there to protect us so that we can survive right, right? because it's all about surviving and survival um where the soul i think is eternal and doesn't have this expiration date so it doesn't really care 
<laughs> it's almost the opposite, I think, of what we think sometimes where it's like, you know, the ego wants to, to live forever. The soul knows it does. So, you know, exactly. the soul throws these temper tantrums. That's kind of how he poses it in a way like, you know, James Hillman, like the soul doesn't care. It doesn't see how small you are or how no. little you are or if you have any disabilities. It doesn't see anything. This is what the soul decided for uh -huh. like, the life's choices and experience. Exactly. The soul is the one who orchestrates the puppet yeah. master. Yeah. Um, I always think of the ego too as what makes us the animal because we are an animal species that we mm -hmm. are <laughs> um primates whatever like you know but that's what makes us because it is our nervous system it is you know what i mean those survival the reptilian brain it is how we are genetically at our core wired mm -hmm. um and there's a process and a structure to that that is very very important <laughs> that goes along with the soul um, for that growth, for that healing. And that's our blind spot. That is our day-to-day -day blind spot that we just aren't like really, you know, I think for the, for the collective, for the majority, at least, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Not mm -hmm. tuned into, not really working with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that like the soul's code, um, there's this like idea of free will and determinism, which is like funny because I was talking to my friend the other day and this kind of a big question for people like, do we have free will or was everything predetermined? And there's like this, we come into these paradoxes too. And it's some, it's really funny. So, okay, this is kind of going back. I'm going to be like all over the place in a little bit, but it's okay. Just just listen to what I have to say is um, a friend of mine was, I was talking about spiral dynamics and then he's like, have you ever heard of Hegel's dialectic? And I was like, no, I actually haven't. So, you know, just because I do a lot of reading and stuff, doesn't mean I've read it all. There's a lot of things I don't know. Right. Um, so he sends me a link and I'm reading it. And uh, it's, it's basically like arguments, like about arguing, arguing and Socrates and Plato and, you know, the argument and, and the dialectics behind it and stuff like that. And it was almost like a, to me, uh, a, an include and transcend idea of like the way spiral dynamics is, right? Mm. Like we, we don't deny that there's these paradoxes, but maybe out of the paradox, something new is born out mm -hmm. of it. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's Absolutely. like- so you we get to about that like, before that in the paradox you have to be able to integrate it to like yeah, to, that's to, right um to be able to like yeah not have the paradox anymore yeah yeah it. correct so, which yeah. makes it hard because then it expands and i think yeah. that's kind of where the consciousness expands yeah. right and like why we keep yes. expanding um but someone who's so set on one way of things being mm -hmm. can never expand consciousness because mm -hmm. they're not integrating the fact that there is this other opposing point right that is just could be equally yes. as true right right so then it becomes yeah and yeah. then it's like how do you bridge the gap between the two right yeah. no that's real life shadow work i just did that the other day on priorities for sure uh -huh because yeah. <laughs> that was the paradox like right. looking at where my priorities are 
And then the external part of not thinking like, well, where am I a priority to others? And am I a priority? And knowing like, well, you can't be realistically, you know what I mean? You're not going to be somebody else's top priority, like, you know, and to like, so like to in the have to work through that and integrate that paradox, but that in that moment of internal conflict, right? Like that plays out on an ego level because now what do I do? Do I isolate? Do I shut down? Do I become a bitch realistically and cold, you know, right. because I'm frustrated with that conflict of misalignment that I'm feeling internally? Or do I recognize, okay, wait a minute, like, you know, it's okay. Like, it's okay that, you know, and find a way forward. And that's what I chose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I can have my priorities. Everyone else in life's going to have their priorities. And I think the hardest thing is for like the parent child relationship, because as a parent, you always put your kids as the first priority. And then to not get that back, like, oh. especially when they reach adulthood, like that's kind of what I'm juggling. Cause I'm like, man, for 29 years. And now it's like, buy me a birthday gift. Like buy, you know, a birthday. Buy, me, buy me a mother's day gift. Don't just tell me it's in the mail. Like, you know what I mean? Like show up for me, make me a priority. But, but that's the dynamic of human relationships and the ego and the soul. And that's where you're going to grow. And like, you know, um, and, and so like, that's part of that complex you know, and, and so we can get hurt, we can get upset, we can withdraw, we can push people away. But at the end of the day, what is that solving? What is that doing? There's a bigger energy here that's separate from who I am as a person. And that's like the first thing I could recognize, like, this isn't authentically who I am. I'm not frustrated. You know, why am I frustrated? Let's look at this. Yeah. Energy yeah. moving through like a wave and I'm going to ride that wave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then the integration is the big piece. Right. And it was yeah. funny because I was looking at the dialectics and I was like, well, I get it. Um, for the kind of include and transcend, um, especially when it, when we come to these paradoxes, especially when we come, you know, to these ideas where it's this dualistic way of thinking. And I think that's what happens with, you know, conflict with people and, and arguments because people want to cling on to their ideas without exploring other ways of thinking, right? They're just not, it's like, this is the way that I think. And that's that. And, and there is no room for, let me hear the opposing side and see how I can relate to that or understand that and see where the person's coming from. Um, and how did they get to that conclusion? you know, and how come I got to a totally different conclusion? Well, maybe it was on the circumstances or the way the situation played out or whatever. And then it's like, okay, now how do we integrate and move forward? But out of those paradoxes, and I kind of feel like determinism free will is that paradox where it's yes. like, yes. some people think they're just predetermined for, you know, I guess we're all predetermined to die in this body. Like that, I guess, but how we get there is free will. So I, the, the way that I see it is like, we have both. Um, yeah, I agree. And it's like, and it's kind of funny. It's like, well, I think that we've been offered the idea of free will, mm -hmm. but 
we still are predetermined to end up in the same place, no matter which choice we make. Exactly. It's just going to give us some different kind of storyline or narrative or whatever, but all leading us back to the same spot, which could be a magic trick of like, well, I'm sorry. You know, you thought you had free will you did and like how you got here, but, but you still were going to end up here in the end. (laughs) So, right. And then some people, but some people fully believe in determinism where there's like, everything was laid out down to the choices you made that. And I don't know that I fully believe that. I don't believe that I fully believe that. And, you know, there's some kind of like, um, you know, I don't think it's an, it's an either, or I think it's a both and is what I'm saying. And Mm -hmm. I think that out of that, you know, arises this new idea. So in the same with the soul and the ego, right. Um, Mm -hmm. so so if you look at that, the soul and the ego are very, very, um, they're dependent on each other in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And we need both. Um, I think the soul is obviously anchored in the body for a mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it wouldn't be. It'd be just be immortal, floating in the, into the ether, the nothingness or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's like, oh, I'm going to anchor myself into this human and then out of that comes this ego right this ego journey that we go on um which is like this two-pronged thing and then there's this constant battle between the soul and the ego Mm -hmm. and you know as you know james hillman kind of puts it like the soul doesn't give a shit about it and sometimes i think we get it backwards because we think it's the ego yeah but i think it's our soul who's like yeah you're gonna do what i say I don't really care <laughs> that, you know, you're too small or you think you're too small, you know, which is an ego complex or whatever. Um, you're going to do as I say, you're going to, you know what I mean? You're big enough to do this and I don't care. Like, I don't yeah. see that you're, you're this or that. So it's, it's very interesting to me, but how do you include both and, mm-hmm. and work with both? Yeah. So, and that's the tricky part because that's not an easy journey to walk, right? To be aware of the ego as it shows up and then to follow what the soul's telling you to do. Yeah. It becomes this fine line too because, you know, they have the bad seed and they have the good seed too. That's another another thing he talks about, you know, that there are bad seeds and, and, uh, and there are good seeds. And so, you know, the bad seeds quote unquote, that we would call bad seeds are, you know, people who are perhaps, you know, what we see um, in history, um, you know, these serial killers are these uh, mm. sociopaths or psychopaths or all that kind of stuff that shows up right. um, is who they are. Right. And some of them fully embrace it. They're like, that's just who I am. Yeah. They don't care. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. No, I'm like, well, is that ego or do they have, you know, an opportunity to shift that perhaps, but that was their journey. You know what I mean? That's, which is another interesting concept. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, going back to the whole, like, um, idea of the soul, like you were talking about this, like predetermined, um, I do believe in both, like you said, um, 
I absolutely feel like the soul has contracts that it makes with other souls, right? We come from this oneness, we branch off and separate. Um, that's where we see like the soulmates, the twin flame, this karmic stuff, like all of those things. So we definitely take on contracts with our parents and our family units. We know when we're going to be born to the location. We know when we're going to die. Um, you know, when we marry somebody and have children or whatever, like those really big life altering, you know, commitments and journeys, like those are soul contracts. Um, but so I think it's like to get from point A to point B to point Z, right? If you figure A is birth and Z is death, it's almost like connect the dots. There are destiny points. And in between, like you said, like how you're navigating that, right? This person's going to come in to play this role. Um, or this job or, you know, whatever, this sense of travel is going to have a role. How, how is it going to help you grow? Are you going to learn? Are you going to heal the karma? Are you going to, you know what I mean? Um, break the cycles. Are you going to repeat the patterns? You know, this, that's where you're tested on your lessons. That's where you gain life, wisdom, experiences, knowledge becomes wisdom. You apply wisdom. Um, so there's a lot happening in those moments that are even, you know, for a reason and a purpose that are bigger than we understand or see that synchronicity um, will align us from point A to point B, you know, and it's just a, a bigger um, part of the roadmap. Um, and then I feel like with the soul, though, where you're talking about the good seed and the bad seed, and this is why I feel like it's so important to look at ourselves and look at our energy to understand our birth and like our birth chart or natal chart. Because if you understand your elements and your lack of elements, if you understand the archetypes, and we've talked about, you know, myth in other episodes, that is huge. That's part of what the soul and the personality. So is it a bad seed? You know what I mean? Is it or is it a part of the universe that's undeveloped? And you know what I mean? And as choosing this experience through a neglectful mother, that experience is all. And that's one thing um, he talks about in the soul's code, right, is the mother and how the mother, you can have like the neglectful mother, you can have this like mediocre kind of in the middle mother or this like overachiever mom who sees that you're going to be like everything, <laughs> like the future president, right? And they mm -hmm. like drive your ambition. Um, and so like, but it's it comes back to that that spirit guide daemon inside of us that's here like for our purpose that's like okay well you chose this really upsetting you know what looks like um really like a lot of harm a lot of toxic what judy garland was one that they talk about um i'm trying to think in the book who else was it like ella fitzgerald or something I didn't, I haven't gone, I don't know. Did you skip to oh, that? Oh, Josephine section? Baker. That's who it was, Josephine Baker. I'm like, I don't know. Did you just skip to that section? Because I'm not at the mother part yet. Oh, yeah. No, I've been, no, I'm, yeah, I'm in the parental fallacy part. So I'm kind of like at one point looking at how, right, we're born into this system. And so it really does make an impact on why. And so like that becomes a lot of people's sociology, right? You're conditioned by your parents and your, and your, you know, your surroundings, your church, your school, like whatever, your culture. Um, 
But and I mean, so in the book, did you go forward in the book? Because I know. Oh, James yeah, I've been Hill reading it. I've been reading it. As, um, the, because James Hillman. Um, um, what's it called? Uh, the, the shadow mother and all that. Yeah, that is a yeah. part of it where it's the hardest thing to get through. Right. We put so much on mothers, right? It's like, um, it's a lot of what I did in my, my um, coursework, right? Was the shadow mm -hmm. mother. And I worked yeah. with that energy a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I was just telling you, like the great, <laughs> the great goddess, the shadow side of <laughs> the great mother. Yeah, and and, and I was working with this weekend. And it's hard because that mm -hmm. the shadow side of the mother is the hardest one. It's the hardest thing to get through. Creator. So, of the or, so for anybody doing the, the, you know, the work or spiritual work or whatever, mm. you know, we blame our, our mothers for everything at the end yeah. of the day, more yeah. than we even do our fathers, um, which is very sad, which tells me it's a very hard being a mother is probably one of the, I think, bravest things a, a person can do on this planet, because the reason why, um, is because we come from mother we're born from mother where we incubate in mother for nine months that has an impact on us as well and then where we come out of her and she's typically the first thing that touches us and that we touch i mean we're connected at the umbilical cord to this woman you know what i mean right. and to the women to the mother so that right there is bigger than that though because like to the well universe, yeah but the universe, so, like the goddess is missing yeah <laughs> like the goddess is what has birthed everything yeah no but i'm talking about no i know spiritually so i, know. I you know with we, we come from our mothers and so in you know in what james hillman is talking about and what you know and it wasn't even james hillman it was more I mean, all of his ideas came from, um, why well, I can't think of his name right now. What is Young. Oh, Young. Yeah, Carl Carl Young. I'm like, why can't I think of Carl Young's yeah. name? So they came from Carl Young, right? And so the shadow mother, um, you know, there was a great saying, and I can't even think of uh, where I found it, and I should post it up. I can post it up, but why we fear the mother the most and why it's hardest to get through the mother. Um, and part of it is because of that. So when we're birthed here, our mother is our caregiver. Our first thing that we touch, we're connected to her, we're incubating in her for nine months. We come out and we expect more from our mothers than we do from our fathers. And that's a human thing, right? I'm not talking spiritual, I'm talking human. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so because of that, we we connect that um, idea to the spiritual mother. And so if the mother is not, um, let's say for instance, we feel the mother is not sufficient or didn't treat us the way she should, she gets most of the shit, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And it's the hardest one to heal from. So, you know, we going through those healing journeys of the mother because we have to heal our parental shit. Right. Mm -hmm. If we don't heal our parental shit, we can't move. Even healing the spiritual won't help because our parents were the indication of what the sacred feminine and masculine should look like as a spiritual concept, which is not the case. Right. Could be, but not really. 
right? So anyway, coming from the mother and dealing with the mother and healing from our our motherly wounds um, and the representation of the mother in our actual parent is the hardest thing to get through because it is interconnected. It has shown us something. And it's telling us that what our mothers, maybe the shadow mother uh, abandons or mm -hmm. neglects, like you said. Yeah. So if our, if our physical mother neglects us, we're going to see that in the shadow of the spiritual mother. Right. That neglect. We're not yeah. going to even know how to bridge the gap between the two. We're not even going to understand what it's like to feel nurtured or loved. Right. And then yeah. that sets the soul for its course, which right could be to experience to that now to be able to give that to others like or to continue the cycle like whatever but mm -hmm. so it's not always yeah i think the ego part where it's like we can't we get caught up in the pain of it we don't understand like why things happen to us and it's like well the soul chose so and that can be really hard that can be really hard for the ego hell yeah because we're horrible to each other <laughs> in a lot of ways to experience a lot of painful things and be like, well, it's part of what my soul wanted to experience. Right. It can be a tough pill to swallow, but it also, you know, doesn't make it any less real or truthful. Yeah. And then it's healing. So what ends up happening is that we heal, right? We go through this healing phase or this healing journey. Um, and we deal with the mother, we deal with the father, but dealing with the mother is the hardest one to get through, I'm telling you, in the physical plane and in the spiritual plane. It is it is the hardest one because we came from that. <laughs> and once we do, once we're able to connect and understand and heal, um, and some of the practices used to heal through that particular energy, which I loved which you know my therapist when i was in therapy um she helped me was to parent ourselves right to understand mm -hmm. internally that's and that's where the spiritual part comes in is you know how would we want our mother to show up at this point in time you know and i think that was probably one of the most powerful questions that i had was like um right now in this moment if your if your perfect mother was in front of you what would your mother tell you what would your mother say what would she be doing and then i you know that opened my eyes that she said now and then i said and then she's like give that to yourself right and then i gave that back to myself so what was it well nurturing and kindness right yeah Especially if you don't understand that part so spiritually how can you tap into nurturing and caring yeah if you don't even know what it's like here in the physical world if you've never experienced that if your mother didn't show you that right right which is usually where it comes from <laughs> right i i mean i got pregnant at 16 i had my daughter so for me that was like i'm breaking the cycle you know this that was the one thing that i knew if i knew nothing else it was um i was gonna have this beautiful bond and relationship with her that i felt i never received um and i'm very blessed and very lucky for that and so looking at that whole parental fallacy and seeing the role of my mother and the role of my father 
and how that um, impacted me, shift me, you know, and then you bring in Freudian theory and, and stuff like, yeah, I see how that shaped in my relationships, you know, not only with men romantically, but with feminine for friendships. It was very hard. Um, because I think for women, we're just already in a society and a culture early on that, you know, um, body shaming and separation and, you know what I mean? So girls against each other, like you're the enemy in competition. So like all this, you know, really crappy stuff. So to not have that kind of mother daughter bond, it really impacts the sisterhood. And I think as the divine feminine on the rise, right, as a collective, this is something that we're seeing is this sisterhood um, where women are really like, you know, standing in their true power uh, of friendship, of leadership um, because of maybe all of this suppression <laughs> mm -hmm. that we've just, you know, gone through for generations and generations um, ancestrally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true. It, it has impacted our relationships and not just so with the sisterhood, but also the brotherhood, right? Oh, like absolutely. Us, to the guys. The all of it. It's it's the all encompassing and but the power of the mother is greater than I think we well, we obviously society doesn't give it that much credit, right? Like mm -hmm. because we live in patriarchal systems. And I think it's the fear of the mother. And that's kind of what the saying was. I, I've got to find it. I, I'm probably going to butcher. The, <laughs> I'm going to butcher what it says. But it was something like both men and women fear the mother. Right. And this is like like you were talking about earlier, the cosmic mother and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But men more than women, because the ultimate gift that you could receive, and a man wrote this, not a woman, the, the ultimate gift that you could receive is to give birth, is to be able to carry and give birth to something. Mm. And men cannot do that. So they have, they're not as connected to that part of life cycles as women, and therefore fear the woman more. So fear, they fear her so much that they feel like they have to contain her. Mm. And that's why we have these like patriarchy and, and he wrote, so I can't remember who wrote it. I don't think it was Carl Jung. It might've been James Hillman to be quite honest with you. If, if I'm thinking correctly, I'll have to find the quote, but you know, I didn't write it, you know, mm. so if people are getting upset that I said it, I didn't say it. It was a man who said <laughs> it by the way, <laughs> right. um, but it was pretty deep in the way that he he proposed it and it made sense in that you know men would be fearful of the power that women possess because and not just women but he was talking about like you were talking about earlier the cosmic mother greater mm -hmm. than that because right, look at the goddess Callie, yeah. you know she's pretty yeah. scary looking <laughs> You know, yeah. you tap into that power and you feel it within, you can destroy and burn down absolutely and not care. And you can be cold hearted because you know you can rebuild. And that yeah. is the divine mother. Um, but there's a beautiful power in that energy because it gets the necessary things done. And um and when we're looking at creation and manifestation, you know, sometimes maybe we're carelessly and recklessly manifesting 
without intention, mm -hmm. right? When you're just spewing around your emotions and your thoughts and you're letting those control you, that's the reality that you're manifesting. And maybe there reaches a point where you gain self-awareness of your life and all of the negativity and all of the toxicity and all of the suffering. And you can't blame anyone else because it's your own emotions and your own mindset. So, of course, you're going to want change, right? And it takes a fire. You know, it takes a storm. It takes whatever element to, um, to destroy it and wash it away um, so that you can re recreate, you know, whatever it is that, that desire, you know? And I feel like, and even with the Buddhist, sometimes I have a hard time with that because I mean, I get it, like desire leads to suffering, but at the same point, I feel like the desire is the seed in the heart and the desire is part of the soul's purpose and mission. So to ignore desire, you know what I mean? But again, <laughs> there has to be this healthy balance because we can get really dark, that dark mother, right? That dark masculine energy, whatever it is, there's obsessiveness. And that's where I think it comes into the bad seed, right? Where you talk about people that are able to commit murder and crime. Um, and why is that? It's because everything in their way of life that makes them feel good is threatened. And when you, um, you know, when you don't feel good and when you don't have a sense of security, you know what I mean? You can swing into excessiveness. And so, you know, not trying to speak on that behalf, but I, I guess from some personal experience, from things that I've, you know, have happened to me, um specifically with my ex-husband um because he did go very like he he did hold me hostage at gunpoint like he did you know um go very dark because i wanted a divorce and to him like that whole way of life everything that he knew what was life without that and when you hold on to love and you hold on to a person with so much obsessive and control and you have nothing, you know what I mean? And that's, does that make him a bad seed? Like, you know, I don't well, know, I think so, but it's part of the soul. It's what you have to go through. It's what you have to grow. There are people that can pull the trigger, you know? So. But I don't think that James Hillman was talking about the bad seed like that. He was talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. And, uh, you know, I think those are some of the people that he, he, um, I think those are some of the people that he he draws out, right? It's like the Jeffrey Dahmers, the... Um, but talking about free will and ego and destiny, you know what I mean? And having choices. I mean, it's all on a scale and a spectrum. I think... No, but I'm saying that's and, what James Hillman yeah. was... Yeah, saying. no, no, exactly. But Is I think that, it's looking at human and soul and looking at all of us as a species, you know, and trying to take what Hillman's saying. Uh -huh. And that's where it's like I'm being very much more subjective and objective with the book this time right. around. And what I'm saying... No, I get what you're saying, but what yeah. I'm saying is James Hillman doesn't say that a person who like the bad soul or the bad seed or if you i don't even whatever you call the bad seed not the bad seed is that they were going to be that way regardless right 
Absolutely. And so like Hitler was always, yeah, they were predetermined to be that way is right at the end of the day. So, yeah. and that's know, the thing with Hitler, like if he went to art school, right, had he been accepted for his art and he'd been able to tap into that feminine <laughs> creative energy um, and express himself, would he, would we have not ended up with, with what we had, you know, with World War II? You know, but that's not the way it was supposed to go. Exactly. It was supposed to be the so, and that's what he's trying to say is it was predetermined that these people mm. were predetermined to be, I don't know, you could call it the bad seed, not the bad seed. I don't care. You don't have a right, wrong, good, bad, whatever. Right. Right. And that, we've got to always label something, but so, <laughs> so the, so the bad seed, you know, when I think about what Hillman says is that that's who they are. That's who they were predetermined to be. Mm -hmm. And they were going to be it no matter what. So even as kids, they were yeah. predetermined. I don't know that like you can sit here, we could sit here all day and say, oh, people, um, they weren't predetermined or, or they, they could have had it this way or they, we could have been that way or whatever, but their soul's journey was to be a murderer. Right. That's what their journey was supposed to be. Their journey, or it wouldn't have been, right? So that's, I think that's the the take that I see on James Hillman mm. and what he's saying. He's like, these kids, there are children who come from great families, has nothing to do with parents, right. you know, and they still end up, yeah, end up doing these things. So mm. it, it it's like it was a predetermined thing. We as society see it as a bad thing. Yeah. You know, maybe that's that's the thing is we label it good, bad, whatever, but it is who it it is who it is. And you sometimes you go into these people and they just don't give a shit. Mm. They and don't the interesting give a thing shit. too that I remember learning um in the brain, the I'm a the, oh gosh, I always say it wrong. The amygdala, the, uh, the amygdala, amygdala, whatever. Oh, <laughs> the I can't, my word can't, my, I can see it, but I can't say it. Um, but the fear factor, like in the brain, right? That small little. For sociopaths, it is like 17% or something like that smaller than the average human brain. Um, so it's like the size of the pinky fingernail. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's interesting. So the lack of fear, right? Obviously, I think that that holds up people in a lot of ways. So if you don't have that fear, um, because it was it was in a documentary that I remember watching with students years ago, and it was how they were training Navy SEALs and mm -hmm. like these, you know, military um you know, hardcore for combat and they have to rewire the brain and get them, you know, rid of the fear so that they can go into these places and have complete logic and strategy and, and know what they're doing. Um, and so it was really interesting where they're talking about that and in the process of, you know, working and, and rewiring that, that in sociopaths, it's already naturally much smaller than mm -hmm. the average human. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that in itself, when we look at genetics and the body and the soul and what it's choosing for its compound and makeup, whether it's energy characteristic traits or whether it's an extra chromosome or a missing chromosome, whether it's a mental illness in the wiring of the brain that, you know, is then labeled as 
bipolar or schizophrenic or multiple personality. You know what I mean? That's all a part of the overall experience of consciousness, which mm -hmm. then comes back to the soul mm -hmm. and the consciousness of the universe and its mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. So it's very fascinating. And I think that's why I just love psychology because I think just oh, like exploring it with openness you know, instead of trying to contain it or label it or say it's right or wrong or good or bad, you know what I mean? And just have the conversations and just look at humans as fascinating species. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, with the, with the soul, like we we're saying soul and ego, you know, the ego has a function for survival, obviously. And the soul doesn't care, basically. That's how I always, I mean, that's how I see the soul's code. It's like, that's what I, at the end of it is how I think James Hillman was thinking. It's like, the soul doesn't give a shit what you want or what you don't want. It's going to play out the way that it chooses to play out. And the ego, you know, like you said, whether the ego is there for, you know, to add this instill fear in us and certain things that we're doing because you know that's what it does the ego is afraid <laughs> it's afraid to to die it's afraid the soul does not care it's going to express itself the way that it wants to express itself it's going to try at least i mean it gives some good examples of like um you know, the bullfighter and all that kind of stuff and, and how the bullfighter, you know, as a child was afraid of, mm -hmm. of bulls and then end up becoming a bullfighter. Well, he ended up dying that way. And maybe that's why he was afraid. And, you know, the violinist, you know, who became world renowned or the writer who decided they didn't want to, you know, they weren't going to write ever, no, read. They were never going to read. They weren't going to mm -hmm. read. They didn't want to have anything to do with words their whole life. And then they became one of the best writers or novelists. And it's like the soul kind of was predetermined for these things they knew, kind mm -hmm. of like, um, you know, Mozart or whatever, you know, and this child who wanted a violin that was too, perhaps too big for their tiny hands, but the body, the soul doesn't see the body. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I just want, I want to do what I want to do. And right. for Especially us, I think balance. that- you know, I think my biggest concern with it or if I looked at it critically, um, you know, that the theory, my, my question would be, you know, why is it that some people take so long to fulfill their soul's code then? Mm. Because some people come in already kind of knowing what they're going to do. Like they right. just know. Absolutely. You know, and, and why, where is that? that difference mm -hmm. and then the circumstances and do we pick our parents and all that stuff i don't know i i believe it and don't believe it at times there's mm. there's parts of me that say yeah that is a good theory but i don't fully believe that we've said this is exactly how we want our life to play out this you know what i mean so i kind of i go back and forth with that as well like i don't know if i believe in that theory fully either you know what yeah. I'm saying? Where it's like, oh, we we picked our parents. We picked our, you know, I don't know that I believe that fully. Like, I, I, how do I know? I don't really believe that 
I mean, I can see why these parents, what they've taught me and, you know, how my soul can play out and maybe how that's worked. You know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what he's saying is like our soul's code may be picked. And he, I, I believe he, he thinks that, that our soul's code is like, <laughs> like we, we picked out our parents specifically for that, you know, right. but I don't know. I don't know that I personally believe that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, it's a big mystery, right? You don't know. But I do like the idea that we do have a purpose. Um, and our soul is trying to play out the way that it wants to. And that it's trying to find its way um, through the vessel, right? It's yeah. trying to find its... And I think it's important to have purpose and meaning in life. Because without it, what the, when then what do we have? Right. We have nothing. And that's not what, that doesn't even sound fun. Like, <laughs> are we here to have fun, right? It's like a playground. So it's like, you know, I, I want purpose and meaning because people are right. like, well, you're just making meaning out of everything. Well, yeah, we do. And so what? It right. makes life enjoyable. Well, going back to the complexity of it, for sure, there's there's so much happening all the time, um, whether we're self-aware or not you know, situations arise and it could be healing karma, it could be healing past lives, you know, like things that we're not even intentionally understanding in the moment. Um, bigger, bigger narratives always at play. So yeah. I think I definitely believe in the power of synchronicity, um, things having meaning. I do believe in soul contracts personally. I've done a lot of work to look into mine and explore mine um to do healing around them noticing when something's karma and karmic like you know i don't really need this person in my life it's just because here i am repeating something mm -hmm. um so like boom stop that behavior stop that pattern cut that out immediately right noticing um intention on where you want to put your energy to manifest and like you said with like some people born in to really know like the purpose and being attuned to like gifts and skills and i think a lot of us like it's almost like that amnesia right like we just don't remember and there is no one we have all these outside influences that are kind of telling us all the time that we're not good enough or that our dreams and our goals are unrealistic or wanting us to live in the shadows of someone else's failed dreams. You know what I mean? So sometimes there's like, there, there's no self-discovery. And, and so it's like, if you don't know who you are, how are you going to find any kind of mission or purpose or, or sense of deeper calling, especially when we're back to that surviving or thriving mode? If you just have to work a, a basic job to meet then, you know, the, the dead end bills and day to day calling, you know, like that can be overwhelming and stressful. That how do you tap into creative energy? How do you find yourself to listen to your soul? You know, like people are cutting off intuition and, and those gut instincts, you know, we're disassociated from our bodies. We're numbing out, you know, through just whatever. It was that predetermined. That's the question. That's yeah. why I'm saying, do you see what I'm saying? Which Maybe makes it really hard. We do have to wake up. I think that was my thing. Like I definitely see like one way of life and then no, a great awakening.
And then boom, like, I don't know, my soul was like enough. Like you can't, you can't be asleep anymore. <laughs> so, but I don't know. Because- it's, it's crazy because that's the part where I struggle. Cause I'm like, but you know, all these souls that are like, like you said, they're just maybe kind of stuck in the, the, the day-to-day, yeah. you know, numb out. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? Disney movie Soul. It's a kid cartoon movie. So I know you don't have kids. I don't know if you've seen it, but Soul. I haven't. Okay. So that it actually like, so Disney tries to explain how souls are like born in their purpose. And they actually have this like really dreary world realm where the soul is a zombie and it's like disconnected from the human part. It's actually a really, really cute. Um, there are some pivotal points in that that actually very much um, hit home and resonated with my own spiritual, you know, perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then other parts that were just like, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was really cute. So, and interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then they oh, did one on elements, like fire and water. And that was really cute too. So, oh, it's, I saw elements. I saw yeah. elements. Yeah, I'll watch Soul just to see. Of course I will, because, you know, movies are a great way to, like, explain. Right, exactly. I think the fact that Disney, you know, is trying to tap into the child, at least, and and give them some kind of, I don't know, meaning to, like, what is the soul or (laughs) or something. It was really cute. Um, Because that is part of the human thing, right? We, We kind of feel this essence, this void, this longing, you know, whatever. I think that's why we gravitate to the moon and the stars um, or the day sky, you know, nature in general, animals, whatever it is, there's this longing and this connection and we're just all trying to figure it out and do, you know, the best that we can. Some of us, you know, just, I don't know, seems like, yeah, it's harder I, I, and easier or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all for this bigger purpose of, of learning and growing and evolving. Yeah, I I just, it's hard. It's like, I don't know. It's weird. There's just too many paradox and it's just crazy. And, it's like viral <laughs> and, and there's viral. too many mysteries. There are things that will just never be known. Yeah. They're never meant to be known. Hey, I'm fine with mystery. It's just you know, with the the predetermination and the free will and like the ego and the soul. And, Mm. you know, I think, again, my conclusion at the end of the day is like, I want to have meaning and I want to have purpose, even if it's me creating it. And I, you know, because I think people, well, you're the one creating it. Yeah, I am. Right. But why? At the end of the day, because I feel like I'm being a better human being. It gives me purpose. It gives me reason to live. It gives me uh, an opportunity to experience others and care for others and show compassion for others. You know, if I don't have meaning, why would I care? Right. I just wouldn't care, right? It's like I wouldn't. So the purpose and the meaning, even if it was predetermined or not predetermined, you know, Mm -hmm. I can say this. I had a calling. I felt a calling since I was young. Yeah. It never went away. I didn't create that. It was just born in me. Why? Did I make it up? I don't know. Maybe I did. 
Yeah. Maybe somehow, some way I made it up and this is all whatever. Well, that's fine. But it wouldn't that be your soul just kind of making you up and, <laughs> and, you and up. moving me in a direction that right. is moving me in a direction that is helpful to humanity. Right. And, and helpful for myself, my family, the people around me, right? So it's giving me uh, the ability to at least relate to others with that compassion and love and kindness and care and all the things, right? Mm -hmm. And then also to have the experiences of living big, like having big dreams and, and living them out and mm -hmm. going after things and not being afraid to just spread my wings and fly and try new things and you know, at the end of the day, it's like, if I, if I let that, the ego take over, if I let ego take over, there would be nothing but fear, scarcity, not enough living small, you know, right. but my soul feels bigger than that. Right. So it's like, I allow my soul to take over. I allow that to happen. Right. So, you know, and just be free. But yeah, but it's kind of hard because it's like, well, you know, was this predetermined? So then you go back to all of these things and it just becomes this confliction inside of you. Like I said, at the end of the day, and uh, hopefully for people, like the message you hear is like, live with purpose and meaning. Right. Because. Yeah, definitely. The thing is like our perspective of the world, you know, I mean, the structure to it is, is wounds and trauma. It just is like that's part of, you know, this survival um, nervous system and how we're wired going back to that part of it. So we're going to experience traumatic events. We're going to have wounds and, you know, those things get buried in the subconscious. But it comes to a point where we get self-awareness and we have this destiny and free will, like over our healing and over our perspective, you know, are we going to just continue to see the world as something that's up to get us and harm us and everybody has, you know, hurt and betrayed us and done us wrong and we're the victim? Or are we just going to really understand, you know, like you said, compassion and empathy and forgiveness and understanding and let people just go on their journey and not being attached and holding on to things and understanding what it just taught us you know, because that's the biggest thing. If you can come to a place and at least look and see where you had growth and you're not the same person anymore, where your ego died and it did go through a rebirth and you've been able to, you know, let go of things. Um, I think that helps kind of shift our, our mindset on things, you know, keep us more open-minded um, and, and not keep us to like this, container of self-suffering when we can just understand um there's there's bigger purpose to to everything and we're just not always going to have those answers but it doesn't mean we have to be filled with hate and harm you know that's where we have free will of how am i going to navigate as a human being and what am i going to manifest with my energy you know, like, was I a wounded person at one point? Absolutely. Did I grow and evolve through that? Yeah. Did I have life circumstance happen that was traumatizing? Yeah, absolutely. Have I loved and forgived? Sure. So like, you know, like, at the end of the day, 
I think I'm going to be destined to have, you know, certain people and certain events play out. But my free will is how I react and how I engage. And I definitely choose um, myself and my integrity, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's how I see. I mean, that's how I see it. We have free will, but we also have determined how maybe we do. We're, I mean, we're, at least we all know we're, we're determined to end, this life will end, at least yeah. in this eventually you know that's predetermined we can't everybody has a you know birth date and an end date so that's predetermined and there's already been so much toxic stuff there's already been so much pain there's already been so much hatred and division like i mean at this point like like i don't want to be a part of that like i don't want that narrative in my life anymore i've worked really hard to heal that narrative and to become a different person, you know, and now it is community. It is this sisterhood, this brotherhood, this collaboration, this unity consciousness, um, and, and trying to just wake up and feel like, yes, I was productive and I did something, you know, that I can personally feel satisfied with. And I did the, you know, the shadow work or whatever. I dealt with the thoughts and the emotions, you know, rather than letting those control me. Um, But to know that I at least got up and put a smile on my face and was pleasant to other people. You know what I mean? I didn't intentionally go out to look to harm people today. I wasn't looking, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, this concept of good or bad seed or, you know, whatnot and fate and destiny and all of those things there comes a point where we have the option and the choice to tap into our true authentic self or our wounded self or our traumatized self you know what i mean all of those different split parts of psyche ego and soul or we could choose to be this integrated whole self that rises above you know, so so there's even free will in our decisions and our choices rather than, you know, things that just happen to us or for us. So again, it's that micro macro complexity of the structure. <laughs> and really like what what part of the microscope do you want to put it at and look at, you know, through this it's such an interesting topic. Um, for sure. I'm glad we Yeah, and then it's like, it. is it predetermined? Like right? James Hilton said, like you're gonna be a bad seed no matter what. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think bad things we happen. Could, because but we could, we could, ta- we could sit there and and say this and that and the other. But if it was predetermined that that person was going to have a hard life, yeah, I think we all have hard lives. It's just on a scale, and it's different perspectives, you know. And some people can't deal with that, and. But that's what I'm saying. Is it predetermined, right? Like it's like some people are maybe predetermined to lash out. Well, to never get over it. Yeah. That that, does it matter how much good they do. (laughs) Basically, and I will say this, okay, just to end because I'm trying to get the point across that I don't think I'm making is there's a show and it's called Once, right? It's a Disney show. Oh yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. And so there there was a point where they took out or they sucked out all of the the goodness from this little girl. 
Mm. And they put all the goodness into their daughter so that she wouldn't turn bad because she was predetermined to be turned dark completely. And so as time went on, this girl was like, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what choice I make. It always ends up bad, no matter what I do. She ends up in jail. She ends up stealing things. She ends up with lovers who beat her. She ends up with, you know what I mean? It's just, she always ends up, no matter how much good she tries to put out, it never comes back good, right? Mm -hmm. And it was because it was predetermined that that's the way her life was going to be. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Not that bad shit happens to all of us, because it does. You know, we all go through that. And But no matter what choice she made, no matter where she went, it was predetermined. And that's what I'm talking about with predetermination. That's what I That's what I think in a way, I'm not saying fully that's what James Hillman was saying, but I think that's what he was saying. No matter what direction, it doesn't matter who came into it. doesn't matter if the guru of all gurus came in right. to this person's life, they were going to choose to be killers regardless. Right, and exactly. That was, and that was like predetermined no matter what, right? Like that was just their... That was their code. That was their soul's code. Do I believe it? I don't know. I'm just thinking that is kind of what it's saying. Do I, do I believe that? And I, I personally, I, I, I love James Hillman's work and I believe our our soul is constantly trying to play out the way it is. But I also believe that people and this is me, and this is what I hold in my heart, is that I have hope for people, hope for humanity. Absolutely. And my hope is that everybody can overcome and transcend these issues right. and that people can live a magnificent life. But is that the truth? I don't know. That's the that's the part that gets my mind. It, it doesn't matter how much we say, well, yeah, but as long as you have self-awareness. Some people may never have self-awareness. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? There, there right. are people who may never be on this journey the way we are. There may be people oh, absolutely. who never fully wake up to their full potential. No, but, I know. And I'm just, but, but what I'm saying is, is it predetermined that they were going to be that way regardless, right? Or yeah, was it? No, I, I think so. I don't know. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I know. I, I think so. I think for sure. People, um, I have hope. The that soul chose. Like, yeah. You believe the soul chose? See, I and do. I don't know. I, I guess I go back and forth. I'm just like, did the soul choose or, or I believe, well, I don't know. I guess there are people who won't ever change, you know what I mean? So I, I, I kind right. of believe that too. That but people, maybe, but that's what they needed to learn. Like that was the soul's experience. So it doesn't mean like on another multiverse or timeline or different reality or past present life you know what i mean because in the oneness of it all there is no such thing as time but um but it doesn't mean that in some other form that soul is it's still going through something else somewhere else and it's growing and learning so it's constantly you know what i mean there there's always constant evolution happening it's just depending on your, I know, now I know. I see your face. I see you. I'm like, 
It was depending on, because realistically, like if we lived in the 1800s, right? Say we lived in the 1800s as well as living now, it's all happening at once. So the soul is experiencing all those lifetimes at once. It's just only to us where we say, oh, our past lives that we've tapped into or reincarnation, but it's all happening, you know, in the now. So it's all about how, so, so it's one thread in, in this woven together fabric masterpiece that becomes like a blanket or a tapestry. You know what I mean? So you're just seeing one lifetime, one soul experience. But if you then look at, well, what has that soul really through, you know, maybe it's experienced every type of living. Maybe it's been the saint. It's been the, the murderer. Maybe, you know, it's been the feminine. It's been the masculine. It's been the mother, the child. You know, it's been every single archetypal role possible. And we're just aware of it in that one time, like as the murder, you know, and then I here mean, we are judging. It would be in this you time, know, which is an right? ego. Huh? I said, I'm talking, well, we're talking about this time in space, right? I guess. Right. I know. I I'm just getting carried away. No. Like I do. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it's like we could go into the everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Which are obviously, they're all interconnected. But I think in terms yeah. of like the soul code in like this three-dimensional time space, I'm like, yeah. I have to be so specific. Because I know, like, because Pam's like, the soul's everywhere all the time, Natalie. But it is. And, and that's, <laughs> and that's, and it is. But we're talking about this particular like right. time and space and, right. and this and one body is Pam and Natalie. Body, this one time, this one space, where is was it predetermined? But right. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, that's a right. hard. It's just a hard topic to. Talk I feel about. like you're my destiny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the I'm your destiny. You're you my are, destiny. You are definitely part of my destiny, and I am yeah. so grateful. Um, <laughs> Okay. And I am so excited for, for where we're going and to freaking meet you next week. I know. That plane rides my destiny. <laughs> I know. Isn't that exciting? It's, that it's, is it's so exciting. Good. But no, we are everywhere. everywhere. I mean, and that's a whole yeah. other like, you know. Yeah, I know. Micro macro. But that's the beauty of it. You know, everything, like which angle do we want to explore the topic? Because even this, this was spontaneous. We're always spontaneous in our broadcast. Like, you know, um, it, but maybe it was predetermined by something greater. <laughs> no, yeah, it was predetermined that we were going to have this conversation today. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just hard. It's hard to think like that. But yeah. I think, I think that, it can be fun. Like we don't have to be right or wrong. And that's the thing too. Like I think a lot of times when we have discussions like this, it's like someone wants to be right or wrong and it has to be like a proof point. Like, a, you know, I got to prove my point. Yeah. And, and it's like, who cares? We can just have fun. We can look at this book and kind of take our own experience. Like I like that, you know, we can just be open-ended dialogue. Um, and who knows, you know? The, that's part of the Hegel's dialect though. It's yeah. being able to understand that you can't be right or wrong because you're always going to end up in a paradox yeah and that and you're always going to end up with a counterpoint or a counter argument or a, and that 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 point if you if you're not willing to let's say for instance you're not willing to see the other point you're not able to include and transcend or create mm -hmm. something new so Absolutely. your creative juices get 
stifled, right? Um, but part of that understanding or the argument is fully understanding the viewpoint of the other individual. Like you yeah. have to be able to hear and listen and all that stuff, which then goes into kind of what we're doing. So pretty exciting stuff. Um, it's already coming up in an hour. We should probably yeah. But um, I'm all, I don't know if people just stay on here. We just talk wherever and then people can just do whatever they want. <laughs> but we, uh, we have our website coming out, womenofconsciousness.com. Please look at it. We will be working specifically with women who are, are identified as the chaser in the twin flame scenario. Um, wanting to work with women who are have chased love their whole life, have reached for others to find their happiness, their joy, or for reaching externally, period, not just for, you know, lovers or whatever, but really trying to heal that love within themselves and love for self and start really being uh, boss bitches <laughs> and, living, <laughs> and living their life fully and living their purpose. Right. Um, union, so, union yeah. And so hopefully people will. Uh, yeah. And I'll readings. Say, We're definitely going to be doing readings. Yeah. Um, Oracle. Yeah. Cards. Yeah. Divination. Readings. Um, we have readings. Um, we're going to be taking on uh, clients, uh, five clients um, each. So, you know, it's going to be a small exclusive amount of, of people, but hopefully people will get to the end of this to hear this message. Um, <laughs> but we, but we <laughs> they're like, oh, that was long. I'm about to get to the end of this podcast. But um, just uh, look out for our website, womenofconsciousness.com and Instagram, women of consciousness or at women of consciousness. Um, there's an opportunity eventually. Right now, we're still waiting for the approval to donate to the community that we're trying to build. So hopefully you guys get on there and do that. Um, and then you guys can be a part of it as well. Okay. So we love you, Pam. Anything else? No, that's it. Lots of um, lots of stuff that we've been working on, lots to come. So it's going to be a really beautiful year because we're already working at planting the seeds. So just super excited for all of it. So grateful. Yay. Destiny awaits. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.